Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I'm glad to be home, and I feel like God has given me a word to speak to you to our church today. And I want to speak it to the individual, but I also want to speak it to the whole church as a position that we can take something that we can receive from the personality of Jesus. We're going to speak about Jesus today, and I want to focus on this aspect of him, this title, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we invite you to come. God, we desire to hear from you. We desire to receive from you this peace that's promised from you. God, right now, we put all distractions aside, plans for later, things that we're coming from or heading towards. Pray right now in this present that we stay in your presence and we receive your peace. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen. Amen. The search for the mind is to be stimulated. The search for the heart is to be comforted. But the search for the soul is for peace. The search for the mind is to be stimulated. The search for the heart is to be comforted. But the search for the soul is for peace. And I believe that peace is produced in the presence of Jesus Christ. It is produced by the person of Jesus Christ. And when you bring your person into the presence of his person, you receive his personality, which is peace. Peace is produced in the presence of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, God is speaking to us and he tells you, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that it is my presence that will bring you peace. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fret. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fight. You can be still, says the Lord. Isaiah prophesies about the one that is to come, the one that will redeem God's people. And he says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder in his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the title that is conferred upon Jesus. This is the title that he receives upon himself. He is the Prince of Peace. And his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And you are a citizen of his kingdom. Therefore, you are citizens of peace. You are subject to peace. You can receive his peace. And when I speak this to you, you know, when, I, when I begin to broach the subject of peace, many of us have places or, or things that kind of bring us a small sense of peace. And maybe if I asked, were to ask you, what, what's your place of peace? What would you imagine if I were to ask you that? That, that one place where you feel all right for just a moment. Maybe it's a favorite fishing spot or a hammock in the backyard, or a breakfast nook, or a, a movie that you like to rewatch, or a, a song that you like to hear, but it's a, it's a small something that brings your heart just a little bit of peace. The truth is, you were designed for peace. You were created for peace. That's why you're searching out those places. That's why you're trying to repeat those experiences. Find those moments of peace. Because you were designed for it. You were made for it. It is not a pursuit that is ungodly. In fact, I would say that what you're searching for is actually the garden 
that Adam and Eve once inhabited. This place was a place of total peace, so peaceful that the lion would lay down with the lamb. So peaceful that, that, that food scarcity was no issue whatsoever. It was secure. It was, it was, it was uh, holy. It was set apart. It was a place that represented God's real plan for us. And the Bible even says that in this garden, Adam and Eve, they would walk with God in a garden at the cool of the day. I'll tell you, that is a picture of peace. I'm with God. I'm in, I'm in a garden. It's sunset. It's cool. That's a picture of what was lost and what we're trying to regain. So we're building our gardens and we're trying to make experiences and we have beautiful homes and we're trying to make communities to, to get back to that place. But we know that that place was created by God and the only door back in is through the door of Jesus Christ. Problem was we lost all of that when our, our forefathers, Adam and Eve, sinned. And sin disrupts peace. It steals your peace. Sin creates confusion. Sin creates chaos. Sin wants to take control of your heart and your mind. And that's what the world is living in right now. It's living in a sinful place, but it's living in a, a state of, of chaos. The world's living in a state of war. I, I don't even have to give you that many stats for you to look around and know. We've got a culture war. We've got geographical wars. We're about to have a political war. Things are boiling under the surface, volcanoes are erupting, suicide rates skyrocketing, mental illnesses through the roof. I don't have to tell you that one of our problems, maybe our primary problem, is a lack of peace, a lack of serenity, a lack of tranquility, where all of humanity can't seem to find what it's looking for, even if it finds it in the short term. You know, that vacation by the beach, it doesn't last. It's not enough. Even if you find it in the short term, that relationship you always desired for, you know that it can't bring you peace. And the problem is the, the world that's at war, the enemy wants to get that that's out there in here. Wants to bring that war into your own home. And it'll bring it through any channel that is open, whether that be a television or a relationship or a Twitter or whatever. But any door that's open, he wants to almost bring the sludge of anxiety, of depression, of noise, of fear, of war, and get it into your home. His goal is to steal your peace, steal your serenity. His goal is to shake you, to fear you, to worry you in your own mind, in your own house, in your own heart, in your own family. The goal of the enemy is to introduce war into your house. But I'm here to tell you, when the world is at war, the church can be at peace. Now, even though the world can be at war, the Christian, the saint, can experience true peace. I'm, I, I, I even want to declare this over you today. By faith, you're going to have to receive this. By faith, by faith, you will have peace this year. By faith. Come on, say, I receive it. By faith, you will have peace this year. You might say, Jordan, don't you know what year it is? I know what year it is. Don't you know what's going on? Yeah, but the government shall be on his shoulder. 
He's the Prince of Peace. By faith, you can have peace in your mind. By faith, you can have peace over your children. I want to speak this prophetically. By faith, there can be peace in your marriage. The enemy would love nothing else but to tear this thing apart, but that is the enemy. It is satanic, but God can restore tenfold. You can have peace. You can have peace. Some of you, you're reaching for it by faith right now. Some of you are saying, how could it be? But my goal today is to bring faith into your life that you could reach out and you can receive peace because it's promised. It's your portion. It is your portion. Three perspectives I want to give you on peace today. Peace is a person, peace is a position, and peace is a pursuit. Three perspectives I want to give you on peace. The first is that peace is a person. Jesus says this to you and I, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Because he's saying, I'm going to bring something to you. Not just any peace, not just a shallow peace, not just a fleeting peace. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Come on, how good is that? Eternal peace, divine peace, anointed peace. The peace of God that passes by your mind, all understanding. You might not even understand why you have this peace. People around you might not understand why you have this peace, but it's because it's a godly, anointed, Christ-centered peace. My peace, he says, I give to you, not as the world gives. What kind of peace does Jesus give that the world can't? What sort of peace is he promising? I think one example of this as we try and discover it, is this, the story of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. It's a famous story in Mark chapter 4. The disciples are out on the sea. The Bible says that they're going from one place to another. In other words, it's just like the normal living of life. And, and many times that's when storms begin to rise. You know, they, they, they come out of nowhere. And the, the Sea of Galilee, if, if you don't know anything about it, it's, a, it's actually a large lake, and it's surrounded on all sides by a mountainous range, and it's a bowl. And what happens is the, the wind from the desert will come over uh, the mountains and hit uh, the precipitation, and a storm can, can begin in five minutes. It, it could be a perfectly sunny day, and then instantly the clouds come and the waves begin to rise. And so it can happen out of nowhere, and that's what happens here is that they're just going from one place to another. That's life. I'm going from A to B. I'm going from one plan to the next. I'm going from Monday to Tuesday. I'm just living. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the, 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 the winds begin to shift. The water begins to rise. All of a sudden, a storm begins to bear down on this boat. Now, these are, these are professional fishermen. They live their whole lives on this lake. They know what a storm is, and they know what to do. So they, they, they bring down the sails, batten down the hatches, secure everything. But this storm is getting worse and worse. It got so bad to the point that these people who were well acquainted with storms, they think they're going to die. In other words, they say, I have never seen anything like this before. This is new. This is scary. This is out of our control. And you know, at that moment, they remember who's in the boat with them. Bible says that they run to Jesus and they wake him up asking him this question. They say, 
Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? This sounds kind of accusatory. They didn't even wake him up and say, Lord, you know, it's raining. They wake him up and they say, don't you care? Isn't this like us? Like the storm's going, we just say, you know what, we'll do it on our own. We'll get through this. I kind of know how this is going to go. But then when it gets out of our control, we look at God and we're like, why? But have you ever been there? Where you've had the waves of depression crashing into the boat. You've had the, the wind of opposition whipping against you. Where you feel like your whole life is sinking. And you look to God and you say, God, why are you allowing this? Lord, what's going on? God, don't you even care about me? Don't you, aren't you even concerned? Have you ever felt that place where you feel abandoned by God? Even when he's so close. You feel like, God, there's no way you care. Because if you cared, this wouldn't be happening. This wouldn't be happening to my child. This wouldn't be going on in my body. This wouldn't be happening in my relationship. If you cared, this would not be happening. And yet he does care. And even more than that, he's in the boat. In other words, any storm you go through, he goes through. He's in the boat. And if you were to just run to him, rouse him, wake him, God has some words for you and for the storm. The Bible says that he stands up, he rebukes the wind, and he spoke to the sea, peace, be still. Peace, be still. He rebukes the wind because there are some opposition, some forces from the enemy that God that will come against you that God has the power to rebuke out of your life. You see, he doesn't just rebuke the wind, but he speaks softly to the sea. There are some things where you just need calm. You just need some psalms. You just need the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and cleanse you and wash you. God can do both. He can rebuke the enemy and he can calm the child. He, he can stop the wind and he can slow the waves. He can do both. He can fight your battle and he can heal your body. He can do both. He can come against the enemy and he can defend you. He can throw a punch and he can cover you in his arms. He can do both. He has the power. He has the authority. He's got the experience. And here's Jesus resting in tranquility. In other words, he doesn't just preach peace. He lives peace. So they run to him because they don't know what else to do. And that was the right thing to do. And he rises and with three words, one command, the whole universe shifts around him. God doesn't move, everything else does. The boat doesn't change, everything around it does. The disciples aren't changed, everything around them is changed. God has power over every circumstance. Every circumstance. And he'll do it in his own way, in his own timing. You might feel like, God, why are you asleep? God, why aren't you answering? Make no mistake. If God isn't answering, it's because he's choosing to. And he will never not answer. He will never leave you to your demise. He'll step in when it's necessary. He'll always step in when it's necessary. If God hasn't answered, it's not over yet. He wakes up, calms the storm, calms the waves, calms his disciples with one simple command, peace, be still. But there's a hidden message in that verse. I don't know if you could connect it to the verse I read earlier. I wonder if the disciples could have. There's a hidden message there. 
peace, be still. But do you remember what the psalmist said? And know that I am God. This is why he can command peace, because of who he is. Peace, be still, harks all the way back to thousands of years before where the psalmist is writing, and he's not even knowing that God is going to fulfill this psalm, but yet this prophecy. Hidden in that message is the fact that God is revealing who he is. I wonder if the disciples started figuring that out. I wonder if that moment they looked and they said, I know that verse. I know what comes after that. Peace, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Hold on. Are you who, you, are you who we think you are? Because you know that the, 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 the ancient Jews believed that, only the, that, that the angels had power over the atmosphere and that only God could arrest creation. So at that moment, they must have said, are you an angel or are you God? Because this is what we're speaking about now. We're talking about something with power, with might, with strength. Who are you? Because the truth is, God will reveal his true nature in your most difficult storms. When you're really going through it, you see God in a whole new way. When you really have need, and you begin to plead for mercy, you find a merciful God. When you really have need and you call out for grace, you discover a gracious God. I mean, come on, isn't this true? You pray one way on a sunny day, you pray another way when there's a hurricane. You pray another way when there's a hurricane. My dad uh, and my, my mom and my dad one time, they were on vacation in an island. It was hit by a category four, four and a half hurricane. My dad said it went on for multiple days. The entire island lost power. He has video of it. He said it sounded like hell itself was outside of, of, of that room for 15, 16 hours. Absolute hell. There's one way you pray when you're on the beach. There's another way you pray when category five's hitting the, the beach. And sometimes God will allow the storms. I didn't say create the storms. I said allow the storms to cause you to run back to him. You've done all you could. You've secured things. You've battened that down the hatches. You've, you've done your best of your ability. You're a pro at storms. And yet God has allowed something where you say, I don't have anything left. I've lost control. I don't know. I, I don't have the power over this. And here's God sleeping waiting, are you going to come to me and ask? Because if you ask, I'll rise. And when I rise, I'll speak. And when I speak, things will change. But you got to run to me. You got to approach me. You got you to plead with me. You got to pray to me. You got you to come with faith to the one who's mighty and make no mistake. It's in those moments where you will see the power of God where you'll say, there's something, something that I never saw before. The disciples even put it this way. They said, in, in Mark 4, they said, who then is this? That even the wind and the waves obey them. They thought they knew Jesus, but after that storm, they saw him in a brand new light. They were with him for a long time, heard all the parables. Right before they got into the boat, they heard all of his teachings. But it's one thing to hear about God. It's one thing to hear from God. It's another thing to get a revelation of God. They looked around, they said, who is this? I didn't know this side of God. And the truth is, there are things that you will never know about God unless you go through some very difficult storms. There's power that you'll never see unless the waves begin to rise. There's words that will never mean anything unless the winds begin to whip. But make no mistake, God will use every storm 
to reveal his true self to you. Trust is built in times of storms, in times of struggle, where God has to supersede circumstances and where God will speak peace to your spirit despite what's happening on the outside. It's only then where you'll meet the Prince of Peace. It's only then where you'll get a revelation of who that is. C.S. Lewis says, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There's no such thing. In other words, only with God can you get a revelation of peace and experience true happiness. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. More than that, peace is a position. Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. In me, Jesus says, you will have peace. You've heard it said, peace is a choice. And I understand that. And to some degree, that's true. But no matter how much you choose, you and I both know you don't really have the power to bring yourself peace. No matter how much you set your mind to it, no matter what substances you ingest, no matter how many yoga moves you know, no matter how big your house is, how many stocks and bonds you own, the numbers in your bank account, you don't have the ability to bring yourself peace, security, tranquility. No, peace is a person. And it's a person that you have to position yourself with. You gotta come alongside Jesus. You gotta get in his presence. Have you ever gotten in someone's presence that you could tell this person is agitated? They're making me nervous. They're manic. They're flipping out. They're angry. And you just say, I'm, I'm going to wait here. You go up the escalator. No, go, go, go. You can tell by their presence there's something off. When you come into the presence of Jesus, he emanates peace, wisdom, assurance. He'll help you take the next step. He'll help you choose the right path. He'll help you make the right decision but you've got to stay close to him. The further you get away, the more you're on your own. But when the storm comes, you've got to run to him. Stay close, and you'll receive direction by the Almighty. I, I, I want to put it this way. You've got, you got to constantly check in with God. Constantly just check back in. How are we doing? We, we good? Every morning, check in with God. Lord, I invite you into this day. When something goes wrong, before you react, before you get mad, before you flip out, before you say anything, check in with God. Lord, how do we feel about that? Lord, you heard what she just said to me. You heard that tone? You heard that tone. How do I respond? You see the news. Lord, how do we feel about this? Are we anxious? Are we nervous? Are we afraid? God says, I've got the whole world in, in my hands. Don't worry. Check in with God. Lord, what about this situation? It could go bad, you know. God says, I know. I know it could, but watch what I'll do. At 20 plus, uh, they had a question to open up the night. And it was, uh, if you could go back and tell your young self one thing, what would you go back and tell them? You know, I was standing with Pastor Watson. I, I said, I, I'd go back and I would tell Jordan, it's going to be all right. Like, you, you'll be okay. Whatever you're worried about, you'll be okay. 
it doesn't matter how old I, it doesn't matter what I'm going through then. This would be true from 10 to 20 to 30, like you'll be okay. Truth is, if you stay close to God, you keep checking in with him, he's going to give you the wisdom to make the right decisions, to choose the right paths, to have the right reactions, to keep the right attitude. He's going to help you. But you and I have to choose to have trust in the unknowable plan of the Almighty. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to walk in wisdom. I'm going to pray. And, but in the end, I'm going to put all the rest in God's hand. Worry, anxiety, and fear will never bring you anywhere. But you put your whole life and you trust it in the unknowable plan of the Almighty. Make no mistake, you'll be at peace no matter what happens around you. Maybe you've seen people that have walked this out. Maybe you've heard people use that phrase, I'm at peace. Even when they're going through incredible hardship. As a pastor, I have the honor of walking with people through some of the most difficult parts of their life. And I've heard people that have just got a diagnosis that is not good look me in the eye and say, but I am at peace. And it wasn't that they weren't aware. And it wasn't that they were in avoidance. But deep in their heart, they had an assurance that was greater than the diagnosis. People walk through great difficulty, lose control of certain situations, maybe have some things that will never be resolved in their life, and yet they can still live at peace. There's a storm, but in the boat, there's a God. The truth is, peace does not come from the circumstances changing, but from you trusting God over the circumstances. They may never say I'm sorry to you. They may never apologize. The sickness might never get better. The bank account might never get filled, and yet you can still have peace. Amen. You can be at rest, at peace. Why? Because the presence of God is your peace. Amen. And the presence of God will never leave you. It will never forsake you. It will never mock you. It will never grow distant from you. The presence is ever present. And that's why David said, Lord, do not remove your spirit from me. David knew, Lord, you can remove my kingdom from me. You can remove my relationships from me. You can remove my power from me. But whatever you do, Lord, do not remove your spirit from me. Why? It's because the spirit of God brings peace and assurance despite the situation. You can be at peace this year. You can be at peace in your home. You can be at peace in your mind but it comes from the person of Jesus Christ. Peace is a person, it's a position, and lastly, peace is a pursuit. 20 plus, they asked me a question, we did a Q&A, and uh, one of the young people asked, with all that's going on in the world, seems like society is falling, how do I live without being overcome with fear, with, without being overcome with anxiety? And I read them this verse that I wanna to read to you today. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, says this. If possible, as it depends on you, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If it's possible, it's not always possible, but if it's possible, so far as it depends on you, make this choice. Set your mind. Have this perspective. Live peaceably with all. You know, I, I don't know what's going on out there, but in here... This is how I'm going to live. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says this, and aspire to live quietly. One, one translation says, make it your ambition 
to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you. Live peaceably, live quietly, be concerned with your own work and your own world and see if God won't come alongside you and help you in this endeavor. My point today is that you and I, our goal as Christians should be to bring peace where we can, when we can, and as much as we can. Bring peace where you can, when you can, and as much as you can. I want you to imagine with me a circle with three rings. The outer ring is your community and your friends. The inner ring is your family. And the, the innermost ring is your mind and yourself. You have the ability to bring peace to those rings. Every time you show up to church, you can bring a spirit of peace. Please hear me. You bring the peace. Because I think you're, sometimes we're waiting for other people to create the favorable conditions. But you got to understand this. There will never be favorable conditions. We're waiting for all the things to fall in line. We're waiting for all the, the, the I's to be dotted, the T's to be crossed. We're waiting for other people. But make no mistake, you can bring the peace. Because you can walk in the presence. You bring the peace to your community, your church, your coworkers. Your boss might not bring the peace, but he might not know Jesus. You do. You be the peace bringer. Into your home and your family, you bring the peace. Don't be waiting on your kids to bring the peace. That will never happen. You bring the peace. In your own mind, in your own heart, you bring the peace. Might, might I put it this way? Pursue the peace. Pursue the peace. Say, Lord, help me bring it. Bring it into me today. Lord, help me bring it into my home. Lord, help me bring it into my church. Lord, help me bring it into my community. Because I think sometimes we're waiting for the world to quiet down and to bring peace into our community, into our homes and our lives. But the world... Spoiler alert, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse and worse. And if you're waiting for the unsaved, if you are waiting for those that do not know God to create favorable conditions for your mind and your heart, you'll be waiting forever. And can I add even more to that? There's nothing you can do about all that. There's nothing you can do about the wars in other countries. There's nothing you can do about your government. I mean, it's not much, but there's a lot you can do about your community. Oh, there's a lot you could do in your home. And 99% of your life will be lived within those three circles. So 99% of your life could have peace. You say, well, what about what's happening over there? What about with them? Did you read that on the news? I did. But that's not in my three circles. I'm going to pursue peace in my community, my church, with my coworkers, my family, my home, and in my own mind. And may Jesus come alongside me. And if you can maintain... Or might I say cultivate peace in those areas, your whole world, your world will be at peace. Here at our church and, and, and in my life, I value stability over ability. I think stability is better than ability. I think people that bring peace are, it's, it's better to bring peace than almost anything else. You might say, well, I, I bring charisma. I bring finances. I bring leadership. That's all good. But if it's unstable, it's unusable. The most powerful thing you could be in anyone's life is a stable individual, a consistent individual. Your boss is looking for you to be stable. Your clients are looking for you to be consistent. Your friends are looking for you to be the same you that you were last time you showed up. Consistent. 
stable, constant. Stability is, is greater than ability. And if you are able, by the power of God, the wisdom of God, to bring stability or to allow God to bring stability in these three areas, I believe you can have a peaceful life. And these areas are finances, emotions, and relationships. If you can allow God to grow, cultivate stability in these three areas, you will live a peaceful life. Stability in your finances. That means that you operate in the principles of wisdom. That you tie, that you budget, that you save. That you're not gambling on the Super Bowls and gambling on the stock market and gambling at 7-Eleven. You're not throwing your money away on, on uh, Twinkies. You're not being unwise, spending crazy. But you're looking at what you're spending and you're saying right now, Lord, help, help me have wisdom. Let's bring stability to this area. Let's examine it. Let's work on it. If you were able to bring stability in the area of your emotions, you'd get promotions. If you could not say the first thing that pops into your head, whew, you'd have a different life. You say like, what? I'm just being real. No, you're just being dumb. Not being real. Everyone thought that. We just didn't say it because we're smart. <laughs> Filter your reactions. Think twice about what you're going to give voice to. Don't say everything that you feel. Master your emotions or you will be mastered to your emotions. Mastered by your emotions. Take control. Don't allow what someone else does to make your life unstable. You're always going to have a crazy aunt. Your mom's always going to call you with the wrong thing at the wrong time. Your kids are always going to be in a bad mood. Don't let your kids make you lose your mind. And justify it. Well, they started it. <laughs> Master your emotions. Learn to respond, not react. If you're able to to do this, make no mistake, you will be a reliable and dependable person. People will want to be around you. Bosses will want to hire you. Clients will want to meet with you. Someone will want to marry you. <laughs> Bro, she's, she went on one date with you and then she saw you on the highway and she's like, this dude's gonna kill us. You're like, I don't get it, the date went great. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't master your emotions. You're, you're, like, you're leaving the church and you became Lucifer on the highway. <laughs> if you can, can, can learn to control your emotions, bring wisdom into that, make no mistake, God can use you. People want to be around you. And lastly, if you can bring stability into your relationships, stability into a relationship, that you mend fences, you don't burn bridges. That you are open to people. That you forgive. Because the reality is one day you're going to need to be forgiven. That you're open to that. There's a great story of John Wesley. He was traveling from England over to Georgia. And he was with the governor, the man that was going to become the governor of Georgia. And they were on this ship and the, the governor discovered that, um, that his shipmate had drank all of his wine. He had a special wine reserved for himself, and he was flipping out, and he said, that's it. The next, the next ship that comes by that is um, 
a British ship. I'm going to put him on that ship, and he's going to be pressed into service, which is a very, very difficult life. He's just, you're just subjected to the Navy for 10-plus years till you get out. He says he's going in. And John Wesley said, that's no problem, sir, as long as you never do anything that you need forgiveness for. And the, the, the man had a choice in that because he said, I will never forgive, I will never forget. And the man said, that's fine, but as long as you also choose to live that way where you'll never need forgiveness and no one will ever forget. The reality is the more you're able to forgive, the more you're able to maintain good relationships, the greater you can lead others. The more God can use you. And I believe this is an area where God wants to use you, bring stability in relationships. I want to even add this. If you're dating, you know, 10 people in one year, you need to slow down. (laughs) Slow down until you figure out who the heck you are. (laughs) Let there be some stability. You know, I pray your husband or your wife, when they wake up to you in the morning, they're waking up to the same person. There's some stability. You know, and I believe as you're able to bring maturity, stability in those three areas, God can use you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. You want to be blessed? Be one that makes peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. Can you keep the peace, or do you stir up conflict? Can you keep the peace, or do you love gossip? Can you keep the peace? When, pe- when you show up, do you bring the peace? Because if you do, people want to work for you, work with you. I hope they want you at Thanksgiving dinner. I hope you're the only one they want at Thanksgiving dinner. When you come home, I hope your wife is excited. Not that you're coming home with like a bunch of, a list of grievances. All right, let's start with Bill, that idiot. And your wife's like, God. I hope you come home with a good mood, a smile on, that your kids are excited that you're home. Why? Dad's home, he's stable. You say, well, I can't do this on my own. Agreed. Certainly not. But the Lord can use you. The Lord can help you. Everyone wants to be in the presence of peaceful people. And peace is produced in the presence of Jesus Christ. St. Francis of Assisi said this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me, sh- let me sow love. I pray you and I are the peacemakers in this world, the peace bringers in this world, not of ourselves, but because we are carriers of the presence of peace. We know the person of peace. We receive the gift of peace. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.